Welcome to Terminal Value. So everything I do here at Terminal Value is based around one big question, and that is how do growth-oriented people transform their business and their life to achieve world-class levels of value in everything they do? That is the question, and I am here to bring you the answers. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is Terminal Value. I publish new podcast episodes five times per week. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any content. And also make sure to follow me on social. You can just look for the Doug Utberg handle. Please comment and let me know your thoughts. I'm looking forward to working together so that we can make your life amazing. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Luke Owings with us today from Ability.com, spelled different than you might think. That's A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E.com. I had to check it twice. And uh, what we're going to be talking about is the secrets of leading into the future. And just to try to unpack the intrigue of our title, what, what we were talking about a little bit in the pre-show is just how some of the different skill sets that leaders need to develop and the way that you kind of need to assemble all of those together in order to really have an effective organization and then drive your team forward. So anyway, mm-hmm. Luke, please introduce yourself and let's go ahead and get the conversation rolling. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Doug. Can you hear me okay? Yes. You're golden. Awesome. My name is Luke Owings. I'm the VP of Product at Ability. Like uh, Doug said, spelled differently than you might think, A-B-I-L-I-I-T-I-E. So I'm the VP of product for us. And we do, uh, we actually run leadership programs for Fortune 100 clients and we run it for their top executives. We take them through multi-week experiences, uh, simulations of, of learning skills, experiences to get together as the network and uh-huh. build the, the layer of the future for their organization. And then a lot of organizations use us to help build the culture of their executives. Okay. So put them through the ringer. You're a Marine, Doug. So I know you know the experience of putting people through the ringer. Yes. And so they ask us to put them through that type of boot camps, that type of yeah. experience where they can fail and learn how to lead. And so that when they're in the real world, they're pushing forward. Outstanding. Well, okay. Let's actually kind of talk about this, the fail and learn how to lead, because I think that's a good model. Mm. Here's the thing. And I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox rant, but I promise I'll get back on topic. Okay. When I was going through school and going through my formative years, just like most everybody else, the thing that was drilled into me is there's a right way and a wrong way to do things, do things right. Otherwise you're a failure. Mm. What's the problem. Here's the problem, is that when you get out into Mr. Real World, there's no real formula for a right way to do things. And essentially what you have to do Mm. is try a whole lot of stuff that may or may not work, get better at it, Mm. and eventually you'll figure something out. That's Mm. not something that really gets taught very often and certainly not very well. I think that the idea of kind of bringing that model into leadership development, I think is really Mm. helpful because as, I mean, for goodness sakes, I would absolutely love it if some leaders could kind of like, I guess I would say, unbrainwash themselves about the idea of the right way and wrong way to do everything. Oh man, Doug, I couldn't agree more with you. We come from this world of experiential learning and experiential learning is all about real world experience without real world consequences. And so for us, it becomes an opportunity not to sit and look at how beautiful an executive's plan is in a PowerPoint and say, wow, you know, that's the right way to do things. Way to go. You've really done your five courses analysis and looked at how you're going to structure this, right? But actually getting the opportunity to say, okay, you're leading a business. And I can be very tactical that with our simulations, we put people into executive roles and have them mimic the next four years of their life Uh and say, are you making the right investments? 
did they actually work out? When they don't, how do you know they're not working out? And how do you improve yourself going from there? You know, I've always thought it's funny when you're teaching people to drive a car, you're always telling them to be worried about every little thing. But sometimes it's helpful to hit the curb just a little bit when you're parking to know where your edges are. Sometimes now, it's helpful when, to, when, to take it out. Now, when you're doing this simulation, do you throw in a random, you know, say like four and a half month sequence of daily arguments with their spouse? <laughs> <laughs> There's evidence of reality that we keep at. Though we have been throwing things like pandemics at them for many years. And so it was a little bit weird to see the last two years when a pandemic yeah. actually hit. Yeah. Again, another tangent a little bit, but I think it's worth it. How did the way the pandemic actually unfold, you know, like the way it actually kind of played out, how did that compare to the way that it had been simulated? <laughs> you know, when we do things like that, we simplify and we simplify to a huge core. And yeah. Oftentimes in simplification, we think the world's never that simple. Yeah. And what was truly amazing about the pandemic was just how quickly some of the things that seemed unthinkable two weeks earlier yeah. started to happen from the very tactical of, wow, on March 13th, we're in the office on March 30th, every single person is sitting at their kitchen table yes. and you have to build new communication structures all yes. the way down to, wow, we don't know what revenue projections are going to be like for the next four quarters. Mm -hmm. You need to lay off 20% of your staff. How do you get the right stuff done? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, if you take, for example, our executive challenge simulation, which we put people through over the course of a day, day and a half, you know, that type of experience yeah. comes up. And we've always thought the simulation was too simple for the real yeah. world. And the real world kind of hit the nail on the head of, man, when shit went down, March 13th to March 30th, the yeah. world moved a lot faster than you expected. Yes, exactly. Well, and again, we're going down the rabbit hole, but it's fun. So whatever. But yeah, well, because now then the other thing would be, all right, now that you're kind of unwinding some of that, the question is going to be, okay, how do you claw people back to the office? Because like one of the things that some of the other businesses that I've been working with that I've, that we've seen also is there is an increasing incidence of people working multiple jobs, you know, they're basically like real time moonlighting where what they'll do is yeah. you know, they'll, they'll be virtual on one company, and then they'll go virtual on another company. There have actually been some people where they'll go virtual for a company, they'll find somebody over in like, say, India, yeah. or Philippines, who can do like, say, 80% of the legwork, yeah. and then they'll just basically continue repeating that pattern. So the question is going to be, okay, do you not care? Or do you say, all right, we want to try to start pulling some people back in the office? It's such a mess. I mean, what a question, because that person who is who is now almost outsourcing their own job yeah. and acting as a middleman is yeah. just an intermediate step to the realization that, hey, my job can be done by anyone yeah. anywhere in the world. And you should look out three to five years, look out five to seven years. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. Organizations sure. are going to get smarter and it's already happening. And yeah, I don't know. It's a scary prospect. You're in the, the US and you're getting paid at a level to do anything that could be offshore. Really scary when you look at this remote world, I would say. Uh, well, I was going to say, you know, or the other thing, and this is what I experienced a lot in corporate. If you're in the US and you're getting paid a lot to go to meetings and not make decisions. <laughs> yeah.
So for people who are uninitiated, but that may be listening, large companies tend to have expansive layers of middle management and very slow decision-making processes. So the result ends up being that you tend to have either phone calls or meetings that can have eight to 20 people who all make earn well over six figures, sometimes multiple six figures, and it can take months to years for actual dis- meaningful decisions to be made. And if you're super curious to learn more about this, just start reading the Dilbert comics. Yes. And 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 it's probably one of the best explanations of what that looks like in corporate culture. Because yes, I spent the first 20 years of my life in the tech industry. And so yes, Dilbert is gospel. Without question. Well, and because let's see, if I remember correctly, I think I was reading one of Scott Adams' books and I think that it took him forever to get Dilbert picked up. And the, the only reason why it hit was because I think one of the newspaper, one of the editors who he was pitching it to actually had some sample comics that she took home and her husband worked for IBM and he started reading mm. them and just thought they were hilarious. <laughs> he thought they were the funniest mm. thing he'd ever read. <laughs> That's really funny. I mean, what a way the world is connected, isn't it? Right? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> So, okay, well, we've just steered really far, well, not that far afield, really, because, you know, what we're really talking about is how the idea of holistic leadership really comes back to figuring out, okay, Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of stuff that can happen. And basically imagining enough of it and figuring out what you would want to do for enough of those scenarios so that when something weird happens, you don't lose your mind. (laughs) I I think you're totally right. But... Honestly, it's not, right? Like at the end of the day, we get to teach leaders and that's our business. We teach leaders. And in the learning world, there's often this idea that like you're going to teach a framework or you're going to teach a skill. And that's true at some level, right? Like if you want to learn pivot tables, go to LinkedIn Learning or just Google it, right? And some people need to learn pivot tables. But when you're teaching leaders in a world like ours, that, Mm -hmm. I I mean, the military term for this is VUCA. I don't know if you hear that military term, Doug, the volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous world that we're in, then what you're really trying to do is give them an ability to lead themselves, understand what makes them special, understand what they're bringing to the table, to lead others, like understand how to connect with people in a hybrid and virtual and in-person world and all of these different places to connect to their motivators. And then understand how to lead an organization and see the system around them and take ownership of that system, whether it's the processes for communication and visibility, or whether it's the incentive structures, or whether it's just the North Star of where we're going as an organization. Those things which used to happen very, very implicitly when everyone was in together in an office because yeah. there was a thousand conversations now have to be intentional. And so I think what we see with leaders is you've got to give them practice on leading themselves, leading others, leading their organizations. And it's not about the frameworks. It's not about the answer. It's about the getting the practice and setting the tone. Well, and the thing that I would think is that that practice of, you know, kind of getting everything together, I would think that, you know, as workforces start getting more distributed, you know, or as more people incorporate, one of my other guests kind of called the Hollywood model, you know, so the idea of a Hollywood model is that, right, you know, when you have a studio that's putting a film together, all the people who are involved with all the editing, all the post-production, all the shots, all that stuff, they're all outside contractors. They basically say, who is the best person at doing sailing ship shots? They get brought in. Who is the best person at editing low light aquatic footage? They get brought in. So basically what they do is when they're doing a project, they go out, they bring a whole bunch of people together, essentially put a big job 
giant project plan together that has infinite contingencies because whenever you're shooting a movie, so a good friend of mine spent a good amount of time in Hollywood. I don't know all this from firsthand knowledge, but I'm essentially parroting what he's told me and making it sound like I thought of it myself. But what'll happen is, right, because I think that it's fascinating because what'll happen is they'll have, say, a plan for the day. They'll have a main shot they're going to do. And then they'll have like about five or six alternates that they can alternate shots they can do if for whatever reason they either don't have the lighting if there's a tech failure if there's an effects failure that just because you figure once you start filming a movie in a lot of cases the moment you start filming your burn rate is you know in the hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars per day and so you're just burning money at a tremendous pace and so you know every hour is just hugely precious. And so essentially what you have to do is you just, you need to have layers and layers and layers of contingency plans just because you can't afford to wait for something to wait because Mm. something wasn't ready. Incidentally, whenever you hear about these movies that have ridiculously huge costs, usually that's what happened is that there was something that had to wait, or there was something that held everything up. And then you, you just kept burning until you could get that one last piece together. That's fascinating, you know, and that's all the operations and execution of it. Your description of the movie in terms of the aquatic shots yeah. and all that makes me think of the old Kevin Costner Waterworld movie, uh-huh. which is the famous flop of the 90s. And it says no matter even how well you manage the movie yeah. itself, it still might fail. And the, the lesson for business is, or do you even have the right North Star? Yeah. Yeah. Even wait, wait, if your executional plan is right, which uh, Waterworld was not. Yeah. Although I will say, slight tangent, the show at Universal Studios for Waterworld is amazing. I actually think it's better than the movie but because the movie was awful, but the show is really good. That's so funny. And you know what? One of the funny things about even media is that like, does it matter how good it is, right? What matters is how successful it ends up being and how much it catches on to the cultural zeitgeist, right? Like some yeah. of the mo- biggest hits of the last 30 years have been pretty shitty movies, if you ask me. <laughs> yes. And some of the, some of the, I mean, there's hidden gems all over the place yes. that, yep. that are out there and, I mean, geez, Shawshank didn't do too well in the 90s, didn't win the Oscar, but yeah. it's a classic it's, now. Yeah, and it's like, it's one it's of the a... five best movies that was ever made. It's kind of our generation, Citizen Kane. Ooh, Rosebud, Rosebud. Yeah, right. No, that's is that, right. Okay. Was that yes. No, that was Rosebud. Yes, nicely been a while done. For me. Nicely done. You have passed Holy the test cow. of honor. <laughs> I am okay, officially yes. a cinephile. All right. So to the extent that there was a point to this conversation in the first place, let's try to get back to it. Anyway, yeah, we're talking about kind of holistic leadership and developing it. And I think that the real thesis that we've kind of unpacked here in a somewhat humorous manner, but still is that, right, you know, it's not a linear path. It's really mm-hmm. about figure at least the tenor of our conversation, which I completely agree with, is that the idea of leadership development is not do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll grow in an unbroken line. It's mm-hmm. basically saying, okay, here's how you plan for and accommodate uncertainty And then when you get to the point which you have to pivot your plan, which will be frequently, here is how you do that in a way that doesn't completely stop your operations. Totally. And that preparation is about you. It's about your system. I mean, you're the military guy. And so we can go to the P's of proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. And, you know, part of that proper planning is the contingency. Part of that proper prior prior planning is thinking about who you need to be in those scenarios as well. You know, there's incompetent leaders all over the place. Watch Sergeant Bilko and it's boom, boom, kaboom, right? And there's like all of these. I've not seen that movie for so long. (laughs) Oh, check it out. My team loves it. I don't know what it says about me that my team loves it. I'm going to leave that one to the side, but they always tell me to watch Sergeant Bilko. The important thing here, though, for leadership, like you're Mm -hmm. saying, is that 
leadership into the future is a lot different than leadership in the past. Yeah. The world is a crazy place. Yes. Right? We talked about the pandemic, how fast it turned. It's only accelerating how fast yeah. the world is turning. It's only getting more interrelated. It's only getting more correlated. And in doing so, having ways to build yourself as a leader, having ways to build the skills, the mindsets, having ways to build the systems, having ways to be intentional about how you lead, having ways to dent the car and continue yeah. onward are so important. And that's what we are blessed enough at yeah. Ability, A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E, because Doug told me it's hard to spell, what we do at Ability and what we work with our clients on. And we see it as even more of a challenge than it ever was in the past as the world gets more complicated. All right. Well, I think we are just about at time. And that is a very, I'm going to follow the, the George Costanza rule and make sure to leave on a high I'm note. Out. Yeah, that's right. Out. <laughs> uh, so. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> so, okay. Well, let well, everybody know. I mean, no. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, Other I'm than going stuff. to the Ability website, that. where can people go to learn more? Absolutely. So check us out at Ability, Ability.com, A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E.com. Mm -hmm. You can check out all of our programs. You can check out all of our SIMs, some of the case studies of organizations we work with. If you're just an individual and you're not looking for training for your whole corporate team, check out our Invited MBA. So invitedmba.com. We run open enrollment. One of our missions is to make great leadership development accessible, much broader. Excellent. And so we run twice annually cohorts, 12-week oh, part-time cohorts for people who want to learn the skills, want to learn the language of an MBA, want to get the connections, but don't want to pay the $200,000. So check us out at invitedmba.com and we'd love to talk to you. Outstanding. Well, hey, Luke, I really, really appreciate your time today and uh, just hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Doug. All love, right. Love having you on. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, thanks for watching to the end of the video. There's just a couple of things that I need from you right now. Number one is I need you to subscribe. If you're not already a subscriber to the channel, please hit the subscribe button and turn notifications on. That way you will know every time I publish new content. Number two, comment, share your thoughts. I wanna know what you did and didn't like. What should I make next? And number three, share this with your friends. Go on to Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, wherever you, uh, you hang out socially, and then post a link to this video and let people know what you liked about it and make sure to tag me. And then what I would also like to do is I would like to offer you the most incredible free gift ever. And this is related to my business where I help other businesses reduce their contract related costs. If you are a decision maker at a business, then I want to talk with you to see about how we can address your contract costs and drive savings. If you know somebody who is a business decision maker, then I would like you to help me get in contact with them. And in exchange, I am going to give you a absolutely free vacation at one of 30 places across the United States with no obligation and no timeshare pitch. Uh, the value of this, again, depending on how much savings we achieve, can literally be between thousands and millions. So anyway, just hit the button below for the most incredible free gift ever. Make sure to subscribe, share, and comment, and watch the next video because I'll be at you with more.